I could be a good pastor one day. All right. But what is it that says that we are inherently doing that which we're supposed to do? That we do it day in and day out. We get up in the morning and resolve that I'm going to follow as closely as I can Christ today throughout the day until the evening. It has to be that we take that one day at a time. It's good that we be visionaries and that we say, I'd like to remain true to God until I'm in my old age. But listen, it's one day at a time. In order for you and me to abide, there has to be that idea that I'm going to remain. I'm not just going to be there for a few moments in the morning. I have my devotions, if that works for you. I hope it does. But I'm going to remain. I'm going to stay where I'm supposed to stay. I'm going to be where I'm supposed to be. As we look at 1 John chapter number 2, we see, as we looked last week, or I think it was last Sunday night, the idea of competing. We know what it meant to be whole. I preached that in the morning. Wholeness. To be complete in Christ. We have everything that we need to do that. But there are things that are competing. And that's what I mentioned to you in my goals for 2014. I know there are things competing for that wholeness that I have in Christ Jesus. I have to be able to identify those things. Put my finger on those things and saying, listen, you are not going to compete for my walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. There's nothing, I have everything I need, and if I've added something to my life that is competing, means it's pushing out what God wills, like time in the Word and time in prayer and time in obedience, then we have to say that has to go, as important and as vital as it may be. If you have to wear camel coat hair and locusts in your garden and and wild honeys from the... Then then you refocus. I want to start in verse number 17. Because it said, in, it said, We're not to love the world, neither the things in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And then we mentioned the idea of lust. There's three kinds of lust. Lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. Pride and lust whether it be the eyes of the flesh, have a tendency to manipulate our time and to manipulate our, our resources to where we're not able to accomplish what God wants. We know what we should do. We know what is right. To abide means that, say, I'm going to start in the morning and I'm going to complete through the day. And nothing's going to push apart, push aside what God has planned for me. If you can get victory over a day, more than likely you're going to get a victory over two days, and over three, and then a week, and maybe a month. You think about it, you say, well, I would like to lose a few pounds. You might be good one day, maybe two days, but what's really going to result in you losing a few pounds? A week, two weeks, a month, six months. In the same way, this is the way we're going to abide in Christ. We're going to see God become 
all that he wants to be in our life. We're going to have his mind, his heart, his spirit. Look in verse 17. And he says here that what, in verse 17, and let's stand as we read this together, and the world passeth away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God, and we have this word that's been our key word, abideth what? Forever. Little children, it is the last time as ye have heard that the Antichrist shall come. Even now are there many Antichrists whereby we do know it is the last time. Is the, is the Antichrist competing for you, for you? Is he? Yeah. In many different ways. Look in verse number 19. They went out from us but they were not of us, for if they had been of us, they would have no doubt have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that they were not all of us. So there's actually individuals, and you and I could be one of those individuals. Verse number 20, ye have an unction from the Holy One, and ye know all things. I have not written unto you because you know not the truth, but because you know it, and no lie is of the truth. Who is a liar but he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ, he is the Antichrist, and denieth the Father and the Son. Whoso denieth the Son, the same hath not the Father, but he that hath acknowledged, acknowledged the Son hath the Father also. Let therefore abide in you which you have heard, from the beginning. If that which you have heard from the beginning shall what? Remain. In you. Ye shall also continue in the Son. And in the Father. Let's pray. Father we thank you. That Lord the liberty that we have in Christ Jesus. Is the liberty we Father that we have to continue. Not just to begin but to continue and to remain with you. Lord, we know the victory is determined, Father, by not just the day or the hour, but a lifetime, Father, of following and obeying. And Lord, seeing your hand at work, learning and growing, and developing our strength and our mind and our hearts, Father, that, Father, that we could and should be all that we you want us to be. Bless our time in your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. You can have a seat. <clears throat> we have the ability to abide and remain, is the first point. It's a part of that wholeness. When God makes great and precious promises, it's not just for the moment or just for the a minute or for a day, it's for a lifetime. He gave us the word, and that word is for the lifetime. And the difference being there is that that ability to abide and remain is vocalized or verbalized in verse number 20. He makes a conjunction with the word but. He talks about those that went out from them. If they were of us, they would have continued with us. But they were not of us. That they may be made manifest that they were not all of us. Some people get discouraged by the fact that people come and go. They, they diminish from their own ability to live by faith. But listen, it says, but he says, ye 
you and me have an unction from the Holy One and ye know all things. That idea of the unction is that anointing or the act of anointing. Is that you and I have the ability to not only to to know the truth, but the ability to live the truth. If you remember that, it's very, very important that we be successful not just once. I mean, it doesn't. It's it's glorious. It's a glorious thing that you can, at a moment. Put your faith in the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. That is a wonderful thing. In a moment, that thief on the cross in a moment was saved. That that Ethiopian that was traveling on his on his way and and Philip joined his chariot and pointed to him how to get saved and he got saved and baptized in a moment. It's a wonderful thing. But see that the idea that God gives us is not a moment. He gives what is called eternal life. Eternal life is life that begins and what? Remains. It never ends. It never goes away. It continues to be a blessing and it continues to be an experience. I want you to turn with me to Joshua. We sing a song about this fellow. Not Joshua, but it's in the book of Joshua. And uh, I think it's good to kind of uh, to read that. In Joshua chapter 14, if you look down with me, <clears throat> verse 6. Remember Joshua and Caleb were the two spies that were sent into the promised land to spy out the land. Now there was actually ten. We sing that Ten men went to spy on Canaan. What? Ten were, yeah, ten were bad and two were good. What? Now the idea there that they went in and they came back with the right report, right? That all of them seen the same thing. All of them were able to see the, the, what God had planned for them. But some of them could only see the obstacles. Some of them could only see the hindrances. Some of them couldn't see that anointing which God gave them the ability to see. And if you look down there, it says that in verse 6, the children of Judah came unto Joshua and Gilgal, and Caleb, the son of Janus, the Kiznite, said unto him, Thou knowest the thing that the Lord said unto Moses, the man of God, concerning me. And thee in Kadesh Barnea. Now what did Moses say about Caleb and Joshua? Hmm? You're going to do well. You come back with a good report. You're going to inherit land. Look at verse 7. Forty years old was I, was I when Moses the servant of the Lord sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land. And I brought him word again as it was in my heart. Nevertheless, my brethren that went up with me made the heart of the people melt, and, but I wholly followed the Lord my God. And Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land wherein thy feet have trodden shall be thy inheritance and thy children's forever, because thou hast what? Wholly, or wholly followed the Lord my God. 
Remember, they spent, they went and spied out the land. And what happened for the next 40 years? Wasn't pretty, was it? Well, what was Caleb and Joshua doing during those next 40 years? Whining and complaining because they weren't in the promised land? Or were they living by faith even though they were going to have to live out until all that generation died off? Forty years I'm talking about, friends. Is that a lifetime? Is that a lifetime? That's, that's a lifetime, isn't it? He says, surely, what Moses said in verse 10, and says, and now behold, in verse 10, the Lord hath kept me alive, as he said, these 40, year, 40 and 5 years, even since the Lord spake this word unto Moses, while the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness, and now, lo, I am this day fourscore and five years old. How old was he? Eighty-five years old. What kind of life did Caleb have? Temporary life? Did he have the ability by God to abide and remain? When did he see the victory? Twenty years? Thirty years? He was still 40 and 5 years old. And look what it says. <clears throat> In verse number 11, And yet I am as strong this day as I was. <clears throat> I'm as strong this day as I was in the day that Moses sent me, and my strength was then. Even so, my strength is now for war, both to go in and out and come in. What is he saying? Did he get weak? Did he grow? I can't do this anymore. I'm giving up. I'm giving in. I'm giving over. Or he says, I'm just as strong now as I was the day that God made the promise. Now let me ask you a question. Are you just as strong today as the day you first began with the Lord? If you can't say that, then you haven't remained. If you can't say that I, I have just as much hope and just as much vision, I know what God wants and he still wants it for me, then something is drastically wrong with your abiding in Christ. Or with mine. And look what he says in verse 12. He says, Now therefore give me this mountain... Whereof the Lord spake in that day, for thou heardest in that day how that the Anakims were there and that cities were great and fenced. If so be, the Lord will be with me. Then I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord said. And Joshua blessed him and gave Caleb the son of Jenef Hebron for an inheritance. He's 85 years old and he says we're going to go out and drive them out. He had just as much faith at the time that he went and spied out the land. He had just as much faith to maintain those 40 years. And he had said, listen, we're going to go in and we're going to drive him out. Who's going to drive him out? Joshua? Or the Lord? The Lord. See, we want victory. See, God looks at us and he doesn't look in the day or in the moment. He looks in the long run. He says, listen... I want you to what? Abide with me. 
Would he have this if he quit abiding with Christ? Would he have this faith to come to Joshua and say, listen, this is what God said and this is what God wants and this is what I'm telling you, this is what we should do. We're going to look on a new year. You say, well, I want this new year to be better than the old. And listen, if you never abided in Christ last year, then if you're not going to abide, if you're going to remain like you were last year, and you're not going to abide this year, then the same kind of results are going to happen in 2015. I promise you. I promise you. Let's look at another one, not... It's so successful, but I want you to see it. Second Timothy, chapter number four. Second Timothy, chapter number four. I mentioned last week about the Apostle Paul. In verse number one. <clears throat> he says, I charge thee. This is Paul speaking to Timothy. Timothy was a young man. He needed to stay with the Lord and abide with him. I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing at his kingdom. What's he talking about? Right now? What's he talking about? Time to come, isn't it? going to end this life, going to stand before the presence of God the, at, at, the, at the judgment seat of Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing. He says, here's what you do. Preach the word. Be instant, in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering. For the time will come that they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own what? Remember what he guarded? He says, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. He says, they, at the time will come, they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they keep themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and be turned to fables. Yeah, how many listen to any radio at all? A little radio on the, on the thing. Hey, you, get those, you get those guys that have those quick, hey, man, you can work at home and make $6,000 a day. Let me hear that. You can take this pill and, and you'll be a new person in a week. I'm exaggerating, but that's what they're doing. And how many of men get, get to think about the man? All I got to do is order, get on the phone, get on, hey, hey send me a bottle. I'll be, I can, I'll, I'll have it all together. I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to lose 20 pounds in six weeks or something like that. I don't know what they say. But that, I mean, they just flood the airways with it. How many of you, in, in your heart, you say, I'd like to believe that. Man, that'd be great, wouldn't it? Wow, man, I, man, if I, I just, if I just had, it, I'm gonna do. It. And then, in you, then there's something in the back of your mind. I don't really think that's true. Ever had that feeling? Ah, I think they're scamming me. Right? Who do you think the devil wants to do? I, I, if I can abide in Christ for one day, the devil says you'll be fine. You'll be, you'll get victory. How many think the devil scams a lot of Christians that way? And boy, you think, man, I was I was good all week and I didn't see the Lord do anything. I guess I just won't abide in Christ anymore. I guess learning the Word and memorizing the Word and being faithful in church and that just really doesn't do it. I mean, I'm just going to hang on there, hang in. I know I should, but I ain't going to really... Who are you listening to? Are you listening to Jesus? Are you abiding in Christ? 
said to Timothy. He says, but watch thou. In all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of what? Ministry, I mean abiding in Christ. See, it's not the flash in the pan that God blesses. Our God is merciful. I mean, many times He does do things for us. You know, and, and just we pray and, we, and God just blesses. But listen, the real blessings is when we abide in Him. Notice what He says. He says, For now, <clears throat> for I am ready to be offered in the time of my departure is in. He says, I've fought a good fight. I've kept them, I've finished my course, and I've kept the faith. What did Paul just say to Timothy? Is it the is it the, is it a hot now that's going to get it, or is it the long distance run that's going to see the victory? He says, "I've fought a good fight. I've kept the faith." In other words, Timothy, listen to me. You're going to find a lot of these people who are going to go this way and that way, and they're going to give up and give in and give out. I've seen it happen. I've seen people get hot and cold, and they and they and they just disappear. They just evaporate from God. And you say, well, and you take and you look around and say, well, I guess that maybe God doesn't really work, or maybe it's the church. That, listen, you. Let me tell you again. It's just you abide in Christ. Don't worry about what anybody else is doing. You just do what you know you're supposed to do. Let God be God. God's on the throne. He still blesses. He says, Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the righteous judge shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but all to them that love is appearing. I love that. I want to be like Paul. I'm just going to stay on the mark. I'm going to keep on doing what I'm supposed to be doing because there's a crown waiting for me. He says, not just, he said, well, Paul was Paul. Paul was knocked off his donkey. Paul was something. Listen, Paul said, it's not just for him, it's for anybody that will abide in him. Was it a rough road for Paul? Come on. Was there some days, I mean, you look at his testimony and what he went through and you say, wow, I mean, really, if God was on the throne, would he let Paul go through all that? Yes! Because that's part of God's purpose and plan. But listen, it doesn't finish. He continues, doesn't he? Do thy diligence to come unto me shortly, he says, for... Remember? Mentioned this guy last week. For Demas did what? He forsake me, having loved this present world, departed unto Thessalonica. Crescens, Galatia, and Titus under Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Take Mark. Now, what do we remember about Mark? Remember Mark? He's one that left the ministry, right? He got a, he got kind of sideways, and they, and, and 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 Paul says, "I don't want Mark anymore with me because every time I, I'll just, and at that point they separated ways, and I'll take with me Barnabas, and you take." Um, Silas took uh, Mark, but look what it says here. 
Mark did something between then and there that was right. And guess what that right was? He abided in who? Christ. I think when you hear Paul say that he's, he's profitable for me, I think you might as well hear Jesus say, Paul, Mark is profitable for me. I'm saying to you this morning that we need to abide in Christ and remain. We have the ability, we have the testimony, we see the, the testimony of Caleb and Paul and Mark. That's why he says, but he says, in, as we've read there out of the uh, first John, he says, but ye have an unction. That's a difference. That, that, that little still small voice you hear talking to you, Yolanda, and others that gave your testimony, God bless you for listening to that voice. God bless you say, I'm not giving in, I'm not giving up, and I'm not turning around. I'm going to remain in Christ. I may not get the victory uh, every single moment of the day, but I'm going to stay where I'm supposed to stay. I'm going to remain where God wants me to be. There's a lot of good reasons. I wish I had time to name all of them. But in 1 John chapter 2, we went over this idea and I, I, I hope that you took some time to recognize that there's people from one end of the scale to the other that are that he was talking to here. He had the little children just got saved. He says, <clears throat> your sins are forgiven. I'm talking to you. He says, I'm talking to you fathers that have known him from the beginning. Two ways you can look at that. Either they were staying right, and he says, just continue to stay right. You look at these young men that have overcome the wicked one. I'm talking to you too. He says, I'm repeating what I've said to you, Father, I'm repeating it again. Just stay with him. Remain. He says, I'm talking to you, young men, because you're strong and the word of God abideth in you and you have overcome the wicked one. Let me say out in this audience this morning, there's people that are up from one end of the scale to the other end. You've got people that have been saved. They know they've overcome the wicked one. You've got people that are strong in the Lord and abiding in his word. And you've got everything in between. But what's the victory? The victory is that ability to remain. The number one thing, I want you to, maybe you need to write it down. I would encourage you, first of all, that ability to abide and remain has the ability to be honest about yourself. There's no victory until you're radically honest about yourself. He says you have this unction. In verse 21 he says, And I have not written unto you because you know not the truth, but because you know it and no lie is of the truth. You know, we can live a lie as a Christian. We can have it up here, but we're not living it. How many know what I'm talking about? That doesn't mean you're not saved, you're not living the truth. It just means that you have this unction that you know what you're supposed to do, 
See, I think that a lot of this, what is, we just lack many times the, the ability to experience the truth. I mean, how many of you ever had that, uh, somebody told you about this special pie or recipe, and you say, man, it just looks so good on the paper, and you never try it. And boy, then somebody, your wife or your mom or somebody will fix that for you, or an aunt or a neighbor will bring it over you and say, wow, that's pretty, man, that was really good. I mean, that was not, I mean, the pictures are one thing, but man, was this good. I've never been to some place in a, in a, in a photograph of uh, like Niagara Falls or the Grand Canyon and say, wow, that's really dynamic. But boy, you get there and it's, wow. This, uh, the picture really doesn't do justice for what I saw. The experience. Let me say this. We can look at what we're supposed to be and we can say, boy, that's nice. We can say, wow, I can see what God did for Paul. Boy, that was nice. Oh, I can see what God did for Caleb. Boy, that was nice. How many of you just want to see it afar off or you want to experience it? See, the idea that you can't have what you can't have that ability to remain unless you start experiencing Christ in you. God developing and working through you. You see victory and you see God working in my way. Won't you get a taste of what God can do? I promise you. You get a little taste of what God can do and what he wants to do. Listen, the, the, the things of earth will grow strangely dim, right? You'll say, wow, why was I so thinking that uh, 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 this was so important it had to develop a whole lot of my time, a whole lot of my thinking? Like Mr. Raina said, part of her testimony this morning, you know, well, I, a Facebook, that's the way to go. I, I can reach the world for Christ, reach my family for Christ. And then she got to do it, and she said, well, maybe this took a whole chunk of my life, and I didn't even get the Word of God, which is the only promise. You can memorize Facebook. It's not going to give you faith. But she says, I know, and if I heard her testimony right, I know that I lacked something when I didn't memorize the Word of God this week. She had a little taste of the truth. No lies of the truth. You know, sometimes we can't distinguish the difference between what is true and what is lie. We, you know, if we're, if, we, if we're doing that which is not the truth and we're living in that area which is not accomplishing the truth, then we're basically living a lie, aren't we? We're not abiding in Christ when we can't accomplish what God wills for our lives. In verse 21, he says, It's not that you don't know the truth, but because you know it and no lie is of the truth. Now look at verse 22 with me, and I want you to look at this very carefully. He says what? Who is a liar? You read that in there with me? We've got to be able to honestly say that. Who's a liar? But he that denieth that Jesus, what? Is the Christ. Why, pastor, you know me. I never denied that Jesus is the Christ. You know, Christ means anointed. 
He is the one. When you deny Christ, you deny Christ the rightful anointing that He wants to have in your life. Are you listening to me? You can say, you can't. It's not that you verbally, I deny that Jesus is the Messiah. That is not what this, it could be. But I believe that what, what John is getting here is you're denying Christ in your life. And it might as well be that you deny him verbally because if he wants a rightful place of anointing you, you have an unction. You have the ability. Christ working in you. But if you deny him that place, come on, think with me. Can he do the work that he wants to do? Help me out. Can he? No. And you're living a lie. You say, I have the Holy Spirit. I have the ability. I know the truth. And yet you still live the lie. Then you're denying the Holy One. He is Antichrist that denieth the Father and the Son. Whoso denieth the Son, the same hath not the Father. But he that acknowledges the Son hath the Father also. What does it mean to acknowledge the Son? Abiding with Him. Are you listening? Please hear that. So when you think that it's it's uh, it's some kind of a uh, uh, just a mental uh, understanding that no, you with Christ, He is beside you, with you, guiding you, helping you, encouraging you, blessing you. You're verbalizing to Him, and He's talking to you. You're memorizing words or meditating on his word. I think I was talking to young people this morning. They were so far out in left field when I was talking about, listen, when you meditate on his word, God will give you principles from his word. And they, and they, they had no idea what I was talking about. You spend time, what does God really mean with this verse? We were in Proverbs 31 and they're talking about flax and a, and a um, that other word? Wool. I don't imagine my kids are going to have much to do with flax and wool. I don't think, think too many of them are going to spindle out their yarn on a, on a spinning wheel and wind it up on a, on a whatever they call that other thing. I, don't, I can't see Stephanie out there spinning her wheel. But there's a guiding principle in there that's timeless. What we have here in this in this thing in First John is we have a guiding principle of what it means to abide and remain in the Lord Jesus Christ. And either you're living the truth or you're living a what? A lie. You're either abiding in Christ or you're abiding in yourself or the world and the devil are all three. You be honest with yourself. Ask yourself this morning, who are you abiding with? Who's ruling and reigning in your life? You living a lie or are you living for the Lord Jesus Christ? You know what? If you're living for the Lord Jesus Christ, you're going to speak His word so comfortably. You're going, to, you're going to know what you need to say and how you need to say it. You're going to know when to pray and you're going to pray without even thinking about it. You're going to get up in the Word and, going to, and the Word of God is going to be manifest. And, and, and that when, he, when Jesus says the Word was made flesh, who was He talking about? Just Himself or was He talking about manifesting Himself in your life with your children, with your husband, with your wife, with your neighbors, with your friends? 
Because Christ abides in you. He's not some flash in the pan. He came, spent 30 years in the world, and then he's gone. He abides with us. We wonder why we got such an anemic Christianity and why we have such anemic Christians in our church and why you feel anemic in yourself and you want to blame everything else but yourself because you're living a lie. He says, if, let therefore, verse 24, let that therefore abide in you which you have heard. What? That's, a, that's your responsibility, Christian. You let it abide. It's not that Christ isn't wanting to abide. You must make that effort to abide in Him. If that which you've heard from the beginning shall what remain in you, you shall continue in the Son and in the Father. I hope you're not one of these Christians that going to fly the coop here soon. Ah, oh, you know, kind of lose hope and lose faith and go back and live for the world, live for the devil, live in the flesh. You're just ho-hum. You know what? I, I, when you get saved and, you, and you're hoping, remember how you opened up the Word of God and wow, you, wow, this is so wild. I didn't know the Word of God said these things. And you heard the word of God, and you, and you heard it preached, and you, wow, I love the preaching of the word. It's not foolishness, but it's the power of God. And you love to, uh, to go out and share the truth. It's in your heart and in your soul. And it's just, it just it, it's your vitality in you. I remember that. Should that ever go away? Oh, it might wane sometimes because we get little... But it should never go away. This this word of God did not change from the time you got born. How many know that? How many of you know that the Holy Spirit of God did not change after you got saved? How many of you know that? How many of you know that if you and I remain in Christ and abide with Him, it'll be just like it was when you got saved. You'll pick up that word. You want to memorize that word. You want to put that word to work. So take off the sad countenance. Say, God, I'm living a lie. And I want to go back to where I was when you first met me. When it first became so real and so right and so exciting and so powerful. God has not changed. His book has not changed. His Holy Spirit has not changed. Who's changed? Come on. You did. He never leaves you. He says remain. You better box that word in. He shall remain in you and he shall continue in the Father and in the Son. In verse 25, and this is the promise that he has promised us. What kind of life? Temporary life? Eternal life. John seventeen three. I don't have. I'm going to close. 
John chapter 17. We know this, often known as Christ's prayer, <clears throat> that we're, I think this is the Lord's prayer. We want to have the Lord's prayer. I'm going to follow it up down to three. In verse one it says, And these are the words Jesus lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hours come, glorify thy Son, that thy Son may glorify thee. As thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give thee what kind of life? Eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. And he defines what it is. And this is life eternal. Write it down, folks. Somewhere put it in, burnish it into your mind. What is, what is, what is, what is eternal life? And this is life eternal, that they might know thee the only true God and Jesus Christ who now is sent. You want to know what eternal life is? Yeah, it's living forever. Yeah, you're going to be in heaven. But eternal life is what? To know thee. To know God. Right? That I, they might know thee, the only true God and Jesus Christ who now is sent. Now the question this morning as we close is this. Have you denied him? Now you can wag your head at me in your heart and say, no, I haven't denied him. But I'm asking you, you have to be honest with God. You and I will both stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Yes? And he's going to know. You can fool me and that's, no, that's not a big deal. You can fool one another, and that's not a big deal. But you're going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Have I denied Christ in my life? If I've denied him, that means I haven't abided with him and remained. Oh, is it exciting in the beginning? Oh, man, it's a wonderful beginning. But I didn't stay there. I let something come in and crowd out what I what was most... I can remember getting saved. So I couldn't wait to get to a Bible-believing church. I, I couldn't. I, was, I so longed to get baptized in a Bible-believing church. I had this old rusty uh, Bible that nobody had ever opened. It's brand new. It's probably thirty years old, and the binding was all uh, broken up in it. And I was in that Bible every day, finding out about eternal life. And the pages were falling out. I kept collecting things, putting them back in. I was marking that Bible and memorizing that Bible and studying that Bible, talking about that Bible. Should I go away from that? No. Neither should you. Let's stand as we close. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful. We have everything we need. And that <clears throat> Holy Spirit that you've given all of us, that unction, that anointing that gives us the ability to right, know the difference between right and wrong, between the lie and the truth, whether I am where I need to be or should be, or if I'm not. Lord, I thank you for you giving us these apostles that wrote these things down. You gave us 
men that maintain these scriptures through the years. And Father, the truth is everlasting. It's reached even to this generation here. 